Hello and welcome to the Indie Alternative Podcast. It's me, Chris. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Charlotte Cooper of The Subways. Charlotte talked a bit about the recording of the new album in lockdown and the new festival and tour dates coming up in Germany. Also, there's a little bit of a bass rig geek out at the end, which was great fun. Before we hit the interview, here's a quick reminder of all the ways you can support the podcast. The links to social media are in the show notes. Also, if you want to leave a review and rate the podcast, that would be great. And lastly, if you want to buy me a virtual coffee to say thank you and support the podcast financially, the links to that page is also in the show notes. Well, anyway, that's it for The Waffle. Here's Charlotte. Welcome to the podcast, Charlotte Cooper. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. How are you doing? I'm all right, yes. We were just talking about kids off mic and the fact that they've, they're going down, they've gone down or they're going down. <laughs> and it, it, so far it's peaceful, but you've got a similar situation, but yours are younger, aren't they? Uh, mine are younger, but uh, my husband's home tonight, so he has both monitors and he, he, he will deal with uh, any, any wake up. He's got the stick. And the threat of the cupboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of course, that, that's not what we would do, obviously. Um, whereabouts, are the, whereabouts are you? Um, I live in Sheffield now. I've uh, been here about, oh, I think, 11, 11 years now, something like that. Yeah. And so what's life like in Sheffield compared to where you were? You sort of Welland Garden City is kind of where you kind of started out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the band, um, band was um, from Welland Garden City. And sort of the Hertford, all of us from Hertfordshire, Essex kind of area. So yeah, Sheffield's come quite quite different to that, I guess. And um, but I, I do really really love living here. Yeah. So like um yeah everything you could want from um big city um but also um just a few miles away from incredible countryside. It's kind of the best of both really. That's what yeah. we love about it. And you've got some great venues uh, out in Sheffield as well. The Lead Mill was an iconic venue. Yeah, still, uh, yeah, Leadmill is still, if you want to go somewhere on a Friday night, that's where you'd go. <laughs> so, so they do still do like the indie disco? Yeah, they still have the indie disco going, yeah. So I saw, um, I saw Shed 7 and, and uh, one oh, years and years ago, probably in the uh, mid to late 90s there, and like a, a very good indie disco ensued, and it was a, one of the best nights I think I've ever had. Uh, great venue. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> years ago. So you you've kind of uh, I guess things are starting to get back to normal now that the world's kind of unlocking um uh, although we've got other challenges at the moment but uh, I, I guess you're looking forward to yeah. getting back on the road um you you've got some stuff coming up specifically in Germany what's that what's that going to be like for you do you think are you looking forward to it uh yeah for sure um, hopefully I think things still feel very uncertain I think um the, the events of the past couple of weeks have thrown um as you as you said thrown a whole, whole other load of uncertainties out of things but I think um you know we're preparing as this stuff is going to go ahead um mm. so hopefully going to should be going to Germany in a couple of weeks time for it's like a I think it's a festival but it's also a tv show I think for us it's basically going to feel like a gig with cameras um so okay quite cool um and then we have yeah full German tour um in May and then festivals are starting to come in although festival season this year is still a little bit strange because we're still in kind of sort of rollovers, I guess, from either 2020 or 2021. So things that didn't happen, but already have their lineups in place, if you see what uh, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I guess a, a more normal festival season will hopefully be like 2023. But we still, we have some stuff coming in still for this year. So, yes, yeah, so it, sh- it should be good. And then gearing up for um, album release in September and then seeing seeing where we go with that. 
Oh, good. We'll get to that later. But with the the festival uh, circuit, you're kind of a, a well-established festival kind of seasoned band now, aren't you? You're kind of where you cut your teeth, really, straight away in sort of Glastonbury. I guess I guess we like to think so. We, we love festivals and it's always been really, really important part of our year. Um, just trying to play as many as possible um, all across Europe. Um, so it's a really big thing for us. We really love that sort of mid-afternoon slot. Um, after, yeah, mid-afternoon slot or like maybe early-ish on like the first day of a festival. That's what we seem to get booked for and what, what we really enjoy to play. So really, really missed it um, the last few years. So it'd be amazing to get back to it. And that that kind of early connection that you have with Glastonbury and the Eves, Eva's family. How did that come about? I mean, if you if you can remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, it's a long time ago. Just to remind, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess people would people would be aware of the kind of subway story, I guess, because obviously yeah. you were you were a very young band and you kind of broke the scene as being you know championed by Peel and then obviously the Glastonbury connection. But I mean, talk a bit about how it was how it felt for you at the time, and you know, I'm guessing it was exciting. That's a given. But um, how quickly did things start to happen for you? Um, yeah, so it was. I mean, when things started to happen, it was all pretty wild, really, because before that, um, um, like you said, we were super young, we were still at school, and we were just we were making um, making demos in, in Billy's parents' house. <laughs> um, he had, like, this little uh, recording machine in the kitchen, this little hatch through to the living room, and we'd record there. I, like, I think now, like, God knows what their neighbours thought. Like, it was not quiet, and it was a terrorist house. So, <laughs> like, you know... Um, but yes, yeah, so we used to make them as there. We'd send them off to um, as many different venues as we could find. We'd just um, we'd just Google all the venues we could think we could possibly get to in an evening and get back again, and just sent loads and loads of demos out, um, and just tried to play as as many gigs as possible. And then we saw, um, I think Billy was recording a band, and they said that they were going to send their demo to um, Michael Ebis because he was doing this Glastonbury competition. So we thought we'd have a go at that as well. So I sent our demo off and had to go down and out of all the demos, they picked a few bands to go and play like a final mm. down in Pilton. So we went and played that, somehow won, still don't know how. And then <laughs> we were playing on the other stage. And we we're like, this is just wild. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and, um, and technically you couldn't even drink to celebrate. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, like, there's, so, there's so many venues where like we go back as like 18. I, I remember having Josh's birthday uh, a venue, his 18th birthday. They're like, you played here for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny we talked about that. I you know I mentioned the DIY approach, and it sounds ridiculous because, but that is actually uh, it wasn't DIY. That's just how you did things back then. It sounds stupid, yeah. but um, I, I did the same in, in when we were we did our first demos and first sort of EPs and things. You just used to get a stack of um, jiffy bags from the post office, and you go online on the internet. Uh, in your yeah. dial-up and just um, write down loads of addresses and send them all off. That's just how it used to work, isn't it? It's just That's no, exactly no, it. That's no, it. no yeah. MP3s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, like social media or anything like that. Yeah. Just yeah, we had like a forum on our website. That's how people used to. That's how sort of we started getting a bit of a fan base. Was we had a forum, um, and the cool thing about that is um, a lot of them are still like in touch, which I think is really nice. And whenever we play in London, um, they all get together, um, which I think is ah. lovely. If we could go back a, a bit further, maybe to your influences, obviously you started playing uh, the bass at a young age and you're already kind of playing main, major stages. But 
Do you remember what your kind of first kind of musical influences were and who you were looking at as inspiration on stage? So when I first started playing, um, I was really, I was really into Hole and Ash, Garbage, uh, PJ Harvey, um, the Pixies. They, and those were bands that um, just sort of really influential for, for me at the time. And I guess you can probably see why, like really um, incredible women, really talented musicians um, that kind of were people that I really really looked up to Mm. and that stage presence that you kind of have because there's definitely an energy that you bring to every gig and I guess is there ever a time when you you don't feel like bringing it but you know (laughs) (laughs) I think yeah sometimes you're tired before you go on but like as soon as as you you get into it then yeah Yeah. it just it just it just comes back um although like I definitely find as I'm getting older one-off gigs are getting harder so once you're on tour you're kind of fine because you just you get into a role of it and you keep going but it's the one-off gigs which are a killer now we do like one show we broken for like a week (laughs) your knees aren't quite what they used to be (laughs) (laughs) um so is there anything you do I mean I know it sounds might sound silly but is there anything you do to prepare yourself for that kind of that energy and like are you is there any routine, any stretches, warm ups, or kind of energy <laughs> drinks that you have to do? So I've I've always been like really bad at that and never really done anything. But I will say now I've I've started doing. I've always been I've always like run and done sort of fitness stuff. But I have started doing yoga now because I'm like, come on, I cannot be like this busted at 35. There's got <laughs> to be more life in me. So I've started doing yoga to like kind of just look after myself a little bit better because I cannot fling myself around like I was when I was 18 and expect myself to just bounce back anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but 16 years of, or it was 16 years of the Young Young Fraternity album, which seems mind-boggling. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you did a, a kind of a tour, did you do a tour for that last, like a um, an anniversary tour? Did you have one lined up for that? Uh, yeah, we did. We yeah, we eventually <laughs> uh, we started it in March 2020. So I'm sure you can guess what happened to it. Um, <laughs> we did three we did three shows. So we started and then we finally finished um, in September uh, last year. So September 2021, we finished the last. I think there was nine shows total. <laughs> so we did the final six in september finally got it done (laughs) what's it like playing the album i guess you're still obviously playing songs from the album live but you know that album launched you but how does it feel playing that that album from in its entirety to and having that kind of anniversary tour um it it was really fun because um there's a few songs on that album which we never really used to play live back when the album was released there's a couple of like the slower sort of songs which Oh, we didn't have time for that when we were 18. We just wanted to rock out and go nuts and didn't want to slow down at all. Um, so it was kind of nice to revisit those songs and work out a way to play them live. And, yeah. um, to, and to play the album um, in full from start to finish is always is, is quite a different thing because you never do that. You always you know, kind of switch things up or there's other songs you need to fit in. So it was really, really special. And it's just so amazing to see like what that album means to people. Um, and people singing every word and everyone's kind of there has got a story about what they remember about that time um so it was a really special thing to do I think when when you first came out the appeal of you was that because you were so young that it felt achievable and I've said this before with other guests where you know well we spoke to Rick from Ash and we talked about you know when you're a young musician and you're you know you're practicing in your bedroom and you're 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 using a four track for the first time you see other bands of the same age or similar age 
making it and achieving it through um, just hard work and just, you know, some of it's down to being in the right place at the right time. But it, it always it always sort of gave you a lot of hope. And I think that's what the subways did for a lot of musicians when you first came out is that, well, look, these guys can do it if we just need to put in the graft and it, and it is achievable. That's really cool to hear. Um, uh, yeah, I really hope that that's, yeah, I guess that that's, that's what we, we were to people, that we made yeah. it seem possible. Yeah, that's cool to hear. Rock and Roll Queen is kind of, it's like its own continent now, that song. It, <laughs> it's, it's only when I kind of, when, when we when we first sort of uh, started communicating and we agreed to sort of kindly to come and talk to me, that I realised how often I heard it in, in unusual places. And, um, you know, as far as just, you know, it's still played quite regularly on the radio, you hear it on the TV, um, even as, you know, they use it in, in background tracks for TV programmes and stuff. It's still out there and you just don't, you don't realise how popular that song was and how, how, um, how, how raw and great it was. I mean, how does it feel to you to have a, a song that has legacy, if you know what I mean? Well, that song's taken us around the world, really. I think that's a lot of people's introduction to us. So forever grateful to everything it did. And I think, um, do you know, um, at the time when... So we've never really been a band that's had a huge amount of sort of commercial radio play, I guess, or kind of um, got to kind of have people access our music in a traditional sense. So having that song on like TV shows and films um, and even adverts has been a really great way for people to discover us. Um, so that's been, been really, really useful. I know that every, every time that like the OC is rerun, we get like a whole you know, <laughs> people into us. <laughs> yeah. How did that come about? I mean, that must have been really cool. Oh yeah, that was super cool. I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things ever done. It's just, just, just mad, isn't it? Like you just go to LA and do like this really cool teenage, like you know, kind of iconic TV show at the time. Really, yeah. it was like everybody, everybody. I loved it. I was well starstruck. I can't believe we're <laughs> gonna like go meet Summer. <laughs> it was a big show. It was, it was like Dawson's Creek level, wasn't it? That, um, yeah, yeah. It was kind of the the, the door after Dawson's Creek, wasn't it? It was like the next yeah. sort of team thing i guess and they had a um, really good um title song who i can't remember who did the what was the band who did the california uh, phantom, phantom planet I that's the it was one was yeah. it them yeah 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 because yeah. yeah. that was a big hit for them and then you had i remember modest mouse being on there and a couple of they used yeah. to always have these bands uh playing in the background looking cool and you got the yeah, so, yeah they yeah there's really, really good legacy of bands that had already played so we were yeah, we were super chuffed that they, they wanted us. <laughs> so is it just a case of um, someone in in the States calling someone's, you know, agents talking to agents, I'm guessing? Did you have... I feel, I feel like I want to ask my uh, manager this question because I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> what, why. Why did they choose us? I don't know. But so, um, you know, in lockdown, bands, I guess, were finding time to write and stuff. And were you finding it uh, a different challenge or uh, to sort of write, together and, and play together or were you using kind of the technology that everyone seemed to embrace which was you know sending files to each other and and listening to tracks that way I mean what was you what were you doing to keep busy because you I know you sorry you did have a single out fight yeah which was kind of really topical and um, capturing a lot of how I think people were feeling at the time that kind of process of writing that song and writing in general over the last couple of years what's it been like for you it's been 
I think it's been really cool actually. And just it's been it's just been totally different. And but having it different and the challenges that came with that was actually quite interesting to do. Joe kind of on like album five, just being pushed to do something a little bit different. Because we'd already we were like halfway through an album, halfway through writing it, halfway through recording it. And so really quite itching to keep going. Do you know, we'd all we're kind of we were, we just started the Young Fraternity tour, but after that, the plan was to finish recording the album and then release it and kind of do, you know, go on tour and stuff. So to have that, to not be able to do it, because we all, like, I live in Sheffield, but um, Billy lives, he lives, still lives um, in Hertfordshire and Josh was in France. So we're all, like, not together, um, obviously. So mm. we did do the whole, like, have, you know, upload to Dropbox and everyone send files around, that type of thing. Um, I made my bedroom like a mini studio, so um, found a way to like record bass um, quite primitively and send it to Billy, who polished it up and made it sound a lot bigger than it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I kind of fa- uh, found a way to record vocals as well. Um, made like a, a mini vocal booth out of like uh, blankets, <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of like draped over the corner. In, in my bedroom and we made it work um just sent like endless things to Billy but I think because he you know he was already producing the album so that, that I think that was I think would have been would have struggled if we were trying to do it with somebody else producing it I think it worked because Billy could still have access you know after a certain point when you're allowed to kind of go to places a little bit more again he was able to go to his studio he's the only one in his studio anyway so it's fine. yeah yeah um, he was able to go there and kind of intercept all these things coming backwards and forwards. Um, but I think I think it kind of made it's going to make it, you know, a, a quite unique album for us because there was just loads of time, wasn't there? So yeah, yeah. Like, oh, why don't we just time to play around with things and time to try new things? And I think that, mm. that shaped the album. Has Billy always been sort of very um, hands-on in terms of the tech and recording and, and sort of engineering process? Yeah, definitely. So as we were talking about earlier, he used to record our very first demos. Um, He was recording for other bands around that time as well. Um, And then first three albums, um, really lucky to work with amazing producers who he, uh, who he, of course, you know, kind of took a lot from and was very much by their side watching everything it was doing and they were kind of passing things on to him. And then the fourth album, um, was the first one that he produced and mixed himself and then this fifth album he's 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 produced it again so you've been sat on those songs for quite a while then really and like preparing for them to be released yeah long time long time because a long time we work on this album now because the last one was 2015 billy did then go he went to university for three years uh, so it's always kind of planned to have a bit of a break but we were still meeting and sort of start some of these songs the, the early parts of them were have been around for that long because we yeah. we did we we said we were going to stop and we never did we still did festivals <laughs> every summer and we still like were writing and you know kind of it didn't it didn't stop it was never going to stop um so but then I guess but then so it's kind of quite a mixture and then some of the songs have complete have completely only come about since lockdown so it's, yeah. it's a bit of a mixture so is it tempting though to keep going back and just taking another look at stuff or have you been quite strict with yourself and say right no it's done it's in the can let's leave it because if, i suppose if you're sat and waiting for because of lockdown and being you know you kind of want to practice them as well don't you and to, with a live audience to see which ones go down well and 
Has it been quite, yeah. te- quite tempting to tweak with stuff? I think it has been in the past. Um, I think so. This, this time we got um, uh, Billy wanted somebody else to mix it. I think because he kept just going back and because he was able to. Mm. Jay, he the fourth album. I think he he just kept going in and sort of remixing things. I think he really felt like he wanted to just focus on the production and getting kind of everything sounding great and the songs as he wanted, and then to pass it on to somebody else to mix and kind of get their sort of input in that, I guess. And it was Adrian Bushby who's had a really great, like, incredible career. So mm. really, you know, lucky that he he said he would do it for us. So you'll be playing these songs for the first time in the next sort of few 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 weeks, then. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing. Um, we're going to play. We're going to play a few of the rockier ones in a couple of weeks' time, and then there's a couple of songs which are a bit more synth based, which is totally different, completely out of our comfort zone. But um, we're going to try a couple of those um, in in May, um, and then kind of over festivals over the summer as well hopefully we'll see how it goes <laughs> yes is, is the album quite diverse then would you say is, is, have you tried uh different things because you've been able to yeah i think just because we've we've been able to you know like just this, this time so it's like well, let's yeah. let's try the stick a synth on that i don't i'm not gonna play a bass on that i'm gonna play synth instead but not really thinking about playing it live just you know just <laughs> thinking about it in the moment and then now like i oh, know we need to get get my synth playing up which it's not, you know, I'm definitely a bass player. Let's just say that. But I've, yeah. I've been practicing. I've been practicing loads. <laughs> That's like another piece of kit to bring on road on the road with you, because you're kind of when you're a three piece, it's quite a lean outfit, isn't it? You don't have to worry too much yeah. about stuff. But now you've got a yeah. keyboard. <laughs> yeah, now we've got other stuff to bring too. Yeah. But you've got a new drummer too. Yeah, we have we have Kabil with us now, um, and she's she's really cool. Um, yeah, just uh, we've done we did done a few shows with her. So we did um, she so the first show she did were the Young for Eternity ones in September. Um, but looking forward to um, to playing more more of a kind of like a regular show, I guess, with her now. And looking forward to taking her into Europe and and doing some festivals with her as well. So did you guys put an ad in the Melody Maker to get a new drummer? What was the process? <laughs> um, so. So I think I think Billy so Billy's Billy's wife works in radio um and she'd heard um so Camille's in a band called the Ramonas who um <laughs> they do they're in a Ramones covers band but they also have they do their own songs as well and she told she told Billy that oh Camille's like amazing and I think uh, Billy just sent her a message and just said like do you fancy it and she's like yeah right it's <laughs> kind of it really I think and um, then we did like we did a rehearsal together and she just slotted in straight away you know she's really really talented drummer um really cool can basically play anything and but I think that's that's really important but I think also what's really important is kind of fitting in and with you know kind of being able to have a nice time on tour together as well and she's just she's dead cool as as well as being really talented yeah yeah half the half the uh the battle is getting someone that's kind of just easy isn't it really and on board yeah. with kind of what you are um right i'll let you go in a minute but I'll, I'll, one last question which i wish i'd asked all the guests because i never I always forget but your your rig and your at your kind of your gear has it changed much over the years or have you kind of stuck to the <laughs> To the to the beloved, um, do you, is it a jazz? I did used to have a jazz bass in the early days, um, but I'm laughing because I just sort of feel like I dropped for me. I dropped on like the perfect setup. 
and I've had the same thing for oh at least since I got I got my my first that my like my, I call it number one base number one um in 2006 and then I kind of needed to get a spare so I got an exact replica of it <laughs> yeah. so I was like it's just the best base why would I get anything different yeah. um and then yeah, like Ampeg 8x10 and SVT2 Pro and then um, I have a boss a boss base distortion and that is just like, it's just all the rock bass dreams for me. Although <laughs> on this, this new album, of course, now there's the synth element um, and I branched out, I got a new pedal, I got a bass chorus, which I really liked for um, the kind of, sort of more melodic sort of bass lines um in 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 verses um so i might I might bring that on tour as well that'll be exciting to have two pedals on my pedal board two <laughs> pedals on your board you're gonna have to put another, the, the bit of two by four wood you're just gonna get bigger yeah so the, the the rigs remained the same i'm really i'm just really happy with i think i think because being in three piece you kind of have to it's quite a big hole you have to fill i guess yeah, the other bait like not a hole but like i guess every instrument kind of has to really be quite solid. Um, So I think, um, I think I just found this, just found this setup and I have a Lackland bass and I think that's part of it. It's just a really amazing sounding bass. And yeah, I call it bass number one because I hardly ever use a spare because I just had this romantic idea of this bass (laughs) number one doing everything with me for forever. And just like, you know, like however many years, I was like, like, 40 years time but probably I'll be dead by then so like, in like 20 years time it'll just be like this this base of memories like <laughs> you have to get buried with it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um how often did you change your strings this is the big base question and I, I've never I've never had a great answer because I don't think I've changed mine for about three years <laughs> yeah that's 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 right that's right never Good. I hate I hate changing my strings because they're all like they're all like twangy <laughs> yeah 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 um but uh, yeah, just basically when uh, our our front of house engineer is like, yeah, I can't really hear the notes anymore. <laughs> We're gonna have to change those strings. <laughs> you, have you have you ever boiled the strings? Oh no, I know I've never heard about that. Yeah, but What's I've that? they oh bass players oh some uh, swear by it. Um, just to instead of buying new ones, just boil them uh, in a pan oh, wow. on the stove, and apparently it just cleans them, and you get a bit of the uh, yeah, you just get a bit of the the, the vibe back if you like, um, without having to change them. I said, I I follow, try that. Try it. Just try it. Maybe with the spare bass. <laughs> Maybe with bass number two. With bass number two. <laughs> anyway, this is going into kind of bass podcast area. This should be, um, um, but anyway, yeah, it's been amazing to speak to you, Charlotte. Thanks so much for, for talking to me about everything. And I'm uh, really looking forward to the new album. When's it, when is it penned for release? So we hope uh, it should be September. We were we were hoping for May, but then the global vinyl production shortage, which has impacted a load of bands. Um, yeah. So basically, it just takes months and months and months to get vinyls made. So, um, so yeah, we, it should be September now. We've got all the artwork sorted, and I think it. I think it's actually been put in. So I think we haven't got a date or anything, but it sh- it should be September. Okay. Yeah. Fingers crossed for everything then, Charlotte. And look, good luck with the, the Germany dates and the, and, the, and the festival. And hopefully I'll get to see you this year somewhere live, if I'm allowed. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be cool. Be good to see you. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Charlotte. Brilliant. Thanks so much for, for having me. It's been nice to talk.